Tebze, you wrote and directed the documentary Rise, the Siakulisi Story, which won the Audience Award at the Tribeca Film Festival in New York last month. Congratulations. How do you feel? Thank you so much. Uh, It's been a crazy ride. Um, I'm still spinning. (laughs) So uh, thank you for having me. I feel excited. Uh, It's a great time for South African stories. And well done, because I, I laughed, I cried, I cheered, I gasped. It, honestly, it was such a beautifully made, inspiring story. So I think you did an incredible job and deserved this award. Thank you so much. It was one of those um, massive undertakings. You know, um, you know the, the beginning of it is it's Siakodisi, right? It's, it's the first Springbok black captain. Not only that, he goes and wins the World Cup. And everybody has a little bit of a stake in CS story. You know? So when the first time you get an opportunity to tell his story, oh, you, you can't help but think about the millions of South Africans that have their own little way they think the story should go. So that's quite a big task to tackle, but I'm glad it paid off. Yeah, I mean, it delves real deep. How did you approach making this documentary and getting him and his family to open up to you? Yeah, I think the the hardest thing was was what I just mentioned, the fact that everybody knows the story. And so going into it, you kind of go, what 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 is it that people don't know that I can't tell, right? The, everybody knows the story ends with him lifting the trophy and whatnot. And so I think the first misstep I took was almost trying to overthink what 60 million South Africans would want to see. <laughs> and then I said with him, for a couple of hours, my first meeting with him. And then at that point, I realized, oh, no, there's so much deeper than this sportsman. There's so much deeper than this mm. champion. He was quite welcoming. Um, he was quite vulnerable, which was so surprising to me. And the other thing is, what was surprising is, I, didn't, I don't think he realized how big he is. And he still <laughs> doesn't. And so when I spoke to him, I realized, hey, soon I quickly realized he thinks he's an average guy. And I think that was an interesting door for me. And then from that point onwards, it went from me trying to overthink what 60 million people would want to see. Everything that he told me about his life, his relationship with his dad, his wife, his kids resonated with me. And so suddenly it went from this sort of outside in thing to more an inside out thing. Where it's like, I wanted to tell a story that reflected his sincerity and also that resonated with me on a personal level. And I think once, immediately once I started doing that, once I personalized it, it became easier for everybody else involved. Even when I sat with the father and we spoke, he almost saw me as his son and I saw him as my dad. And so everybody that was involved in the making of it almost became family because it, it became personal for me. What people see in the film is, is little mini cut interviews here and there, but they don't realize that before we actually rolled the camera, I probably spoke to those guys for five, four, five, six hours sometimes, just not doing anything, just talking to them. And I think that was a window into their world. And once they got comfortable and I got comfortable with them, then we started rolling the camera. So I think the fact that I approached it on a personal level, I started seeing them as my family, as my brothers, as friends. They started seeing me the same way. It was a lot of patience of just talking until we got to a point where we felt we can start rolling the camera. And so a lot of it happened because of patience and a lot of it happened because of me making it personal and me making it personal resonated with the rest of the country.
And now we just noticed in New York, it resonated with the world as well. That's so incredible. Wow. And and where do you remember where you were when the Rugby World Cup 2019 final took place and Sia lifted the trophy? I have, I have a very funny story. I was... <laughs> I had a massive layover. I was actually going to the States and I had a massive layover in England. <laughs> and so, so I ended up watching the finals at a London bar <laughs> surrounded by the English. <laughs> and, and in the crowd, I spotted one Springbok jersey. I went to it and it was this crosser lady who was working in London. And then I spotted a second one just before the national anthem happened, and it was this Afrikaner guy. And there was the three of us. It was this me, this steady guy from Joburg, this Kosa guy from Eastern Cape, and this Afrikaner guy from Bloom, <laughs> uh, standing shoulder to shoulder and singing the national anthem in this bar with more than 300 Brits. Before the game actually started, it was quite funny because they were feeling so sorry for us because they thought they were going to decimate us. So they were buying us shots, saying, oh, sorry, guys, sorry. Guys. <laughs> <laughs> but, but by halftime, I think everybody realized, what, realized what's up. And the three of us were the loudest in the room. So, yeah, I was in London watching the Springbok beat the Brits. That's so amazing. I love that story. <laughs> <laughs> it must have been even sweeter that way. Yeah, and it was. <laughs> what was your experience of rugby growing up? I mean, like, what does it mean to you to have done a documentary about Sia Kulisi? Um, I mean, you've worked on Queen Sono in the past, which was a huge deal as well. But this is also this is big. Yeah, I think I think what what became almost a blessing was was um, as a kid, I grew up in Soweto, like in Johannesburg, um, and, you know, our township, every second street was a, a soccer field, not a rugby field. But if you go to the Eastern Cape, like Klebecha and them, every second street is a rugby field. And so there was a sort of outsider's view of the culture of rugby, if that makes sense. So I was almost like an outsider, but an insider, if that makes sense. An insider because I was also like an athlete growing up, so I kind of understand the athlete's mindset. An insider because I, I, the same, grew up in a similar background, dusty streets of Soweto and whatnot, grew up poor, grew up with a single mom. Um, 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 and so, so there's a lot of dynamics where I was an insider on with Sia. But then when it came to the rugby, I was almost like an outsider, which was a blessing because then I wasn't too, I wasn't too obsessed necessarily, even though I'm passionate about the game, but I wasn't too obsessed with it, right? Mm. Where, where I could, I could make more human decisions, more human story decisions over the rugby because I was more of an outsider looking in. And so that kind of uh, play, uh, paid off. The the story. I mean, the, it's it's everybody wanted to tell the story. I mean, they. I mean, when Rock Nation wanted to produce the the film, they did like a global search for a director. So many directors raised their hands. You know, so it's a massive. It's a, it was a massive thing that everybody all over the world. If I had to mention some American directors which were on the list, you'll go crazy. Sure. <laughs> and so, so and so it is a massive thing. Um, but I think I was very privileged and honored and blessed to get the gig. And so I understand the, the, the power of it. Um, but I think also what, what was an advantage for me is that almost in the sports of rugby, I had an outsider's point of view, which helped so I can focus more on the human story than, say, the specifics of the rugby game. 
Yeah, absolutely. And and what do you hope people take from the documentary as we get ready for another Rugby World Cup this year? Yeah, I think what people will get from the docu is they're going to get really surprised uh, uh, with the human story of Sia Kulisi. I think the, everybody thinks they know the guy until you watch it and you get surprised. I mean, one of the things that happened in the film is, is you see him confront his dad about his upbringing, his... Uh, very troubled upbringing, his very violent society that he grew up in, him being without his dad for most of his life, his dad not being there when he came back from the initiation school. He did that for the first time in front of camera. (laughs) (laughs) He had never done it before, right? And so I think what people people are going to see first, they're going to get really surprised at his humanity. And I think once they get surprised by that, I hope they take away this call back, this revival of us as Africans to our better selves. I think when you watch the story of Siakulisi, I think the reason he's so beloved, he's our golden boy, is because as a country, we see ourselves in him. We see the potential that South Africa came out guns, guns blazing for. We see that promise of 1994, that you know an average kid from the hood can rise to the top. We see the idea of a white lady and a black man getting married and running a family with two colored kids. <laughs> we, see, we see what reconciliation and what the, what the promise of the rainbow nation means. We see a story of hope. We see a story of going back to our humanity, of seeing a hungry person off the side of the road and giving them a loaf of bread or helping somebody carry their load or helping somebody who's in tears heal. So the nice thing about the film and what I hope people take away from, even even in the future, even the next generation that's going to come, is when they watch it, that Siakolisi story is a reminder of our true humanity as South Africans, of our Ubuntu, of this, of this once promising people and the potential that we always had, but we always forget. And with Sia, it's not about being perfect, but it's about the pursuit of being our better selves. And I think that's why we love him. And that's why we love him as a South African captain, because he represents us and who our potentially our potential is. And so that's what I hope people get from it, is this call back to our divine selves and our higher selves. Yo, absolutely. Well said. Thank you so much. Tebza, appreciate your time and congratulations again. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Um, guys, must- Go try check it out. I think it's got a limited run on Showmax. So go catch it there while it's still there. And um, we've got a couple of festivals that are coming. We just uh, we also won another big award coming out later in the year in Monaco. But we'll let you know all about it. And there's a few other festivals, international fest- film festivals that are lined up. But I'll keep you guys posted. And where can people keep up to date with those posts? Um, yeah, so if you go to my social media at um that's where you're gonna. That's 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 pretty much at Debochomalope, T E B O G O M A L O P E. That's pretty much Instagram, Twitter, Threads, TikTok, all of them. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, I communicate a lot of the activity around the film over there. So just check me out. Awesome. Looking forward to it. Thank you so much, Tebza. Thank you. Cheers. Catch up from some of the best moments from the 5 Drive team by going to 5FM's catch-up page on the 5FM app or 5FM.co.za.